Hear the word of God. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So those are the five fingers of success that we're going to be looking at today. Five commands. Staccato. Boom, 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 boom. These are things I really want you to remember. Um, we hear his heart. They're, they're in a very competitive environment. This is God's sovereign plan. It's, you know, if, if he wanted us to be in an environment that wasn't competitive, that was easy, and you didn't have to worry about anything, didn't have to try hard, uh, it was just, just smooth sailing, he could, have, he could have easily made it that way. He did not make it that way. He, does not, he has not designed your life to be like that. A lot of times we'll say, Lord, why is this happening? And that's a good question. Why is this happening? But let's just be reminded that this is the way God has designed it to be. Even in the Garden of Eden, before sin occurred, was, was that a completely test-free environment? There was one big challenge, right? Don't eat that tree. Don't eat of that tree. And, of course, they failed that. And then what happened? God cursed the whole earth, the whole system. Suddenly, death entered. Human beings, as originally created, were never intended to die. Uh, death is a curse. And the Bible teaches that the whole creation is cursed. It's broken. And again, just to make it blunt and straightforward, God purposefully broke it. That's what the Bible teaches. It didn't just happen. He didn't just allow this to happen. He broke it in his sovereign plan. You might say, why would he do that? Well, he shows us how bad sin is. He says, if you sin, you will die. Uh, and so, honestly, every time we, we wonder about suffering, we wonder about well, why is a baby sick, right? The grandson, David, uh, who uh, has hydrocephaly. Um, and, you know, why, Lord? He's an innocent little kid. And from birth, he had this. Uh, it wasn't discovered until he was like, like three months old or something. I mean, he suffered greatly. He's more than likely blind. He'll probably never see. Uh, we, we don't know uh, what developments he will make in his life. We hope that he'll make a good, strong recovery. Uh, but we don't know. And you might say, well, is that a random evil event that makes no sense in this world? And, and God, is God surprised by it? No. Did God just simply allow it to happen? Well, actually, no. The Bible teaches that he works all things after the counsel of his own will. So what do we learn from it? Well, sin is bad. Now, not David didn't sin, but he's born into a sinful world. And uh, remember even David said, in, in sin my mother conceived me, even from my conception. I was born into a sinful, broken world. And so the curse pushes us to want salvation, want God, to need God. And it actually is the only explanation for how challenging and difficult the world is as we see it. <clears throat> so 
So Paul, the apostle, puts together these five commands, and I'm calling it the five fingers of success. And, and the hand illustration is this, that they all work together, and we need them all to work simultaneously. Um, but there's also kind of a progression uh, in the commands that will uh, open up at the end a little bit more. So first of all, he says, be watchful. The first finger on the five fingers of success, be watchful. And I, I thought about nature. I thought about how God has made the world. Uh, look at this big cat. Look at the uh, concentration in its eyes. Cats, I love cats. We don't own any, but uh, here's one few. But like just the other day, I was driving out of our housing place, and there was a cat like, you know, hovering over a gopher hole or, or something like that, just, just waiting for that sweet moment. And I'm, I'm thinking, yes, I hate gophers. <laughs> you should see the gophers right at our house, like prototype. There's a bone over there. More cats, please. <laughs> Uh, but cats have this amazing intensity, don't they? And you might ask, uh, <laughs> you might ask, what is this? Let's call her. Let's call her. Uh, she. Her name is Sally. Let's pretend. What is Sally looking for? Right? What is she looking for? I think there's two things, probably. One is it's always what she's looking for danger, right? She's looking for something that might hurt her. Like a bigger cat, which is one of her other predators. But she's also looking for what? Lunch. You know? Like me when I'm hungry, you know, every restaurant. Oh, there's one. There's one. There's one. <laughs> Charlie can always tell on a trip when I'm hungry. I start, you know, say, oh, look, there's one. There's one. <laughs> like, okay, you're hungry, I can tell. We're watchful for the good things and the bad things. And Paul says, listen. I can't take the danger out of your environment. And God will not take it out of your environment. It's there. You live in a dangerous environment. So I want you to be watchful. Watch for the good and, and the bad. God has designed it this way. That we live in an, in an environment that's filled with possibilities. Good and bad. Good or evil possibilities. And God tests us. We live in a testing environment. If Garden Eden was a test, we live in a much more testing environment. Now, knowing God, does God put us in that environment so that we will fail? No. He wants us to overcome the temptation. And He wants us to grow by it. Isn't this exciting? He loves us this much. That he tests us and constantly wants us to grow by the difficulties and challenges that we face. Well, let's look at a couple of scriptures here that are really significant. They use this word watch, be watchful. By the word, by, by the way, the word is the basis of our English name, Greg, Gregory. Gregorio means to watch. That's the exact Greek word here. So if you're looking for a good name, there's one. Matthew 26, please. Turn to Matthew 26. I have a few passages to look at together. This is a well-known passage. 
Jesus is on the verge of being arrested, giving himself over to the authorities. And he's in the garden uh, that's called the oil press, or in the original language, Gethsemane. And he's praying, uh, he will be praying with an incredible intensity. Remember what, how it goes? Let me read it for you. This is Matthew 26, verse 36 and following. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Pause there for a moment. This is a profoundly deep spiritual struggle profoundly deep spiritual moment. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, fully human, but eternal God. And he's coming to the very brink of becoming sin for us and bearing the wrath of God and dying on the cross in excruciating pain, the extreme humiliation that is his pain and the sorrow and becoming sin for us. And, and I think in, in his reality, in his humanness and his honesty, he's saying at some level, I just won't, don't want to do this. You know, take it from me, right? He says, let this cup pass. You know, no thank you. I don't want to drink that. Uh, that shows you the gravity deep and powerful and horrible the crucifixion and all the theological events that are happening at this moment it shows you how powerful that is but the beauty here is his, his submission to God, right? Verse 39 Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will and he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and he said to Peter so could you not watch with me one hour? He's, he's, he's so alone. They, they don't get the gravity of the situation. They don't see the spiritual struggle. For them, it's just another night. They can hear the crickets in the garden. It's been a long day. And they're sleeping. And so look what he says here in verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Paul is picking up on that same command. You guys, you, you gotta get it. You have to understand this. You're in a spiritually dangerous setting. The environment is competitive. There are people who are trying to get you. There are people who are trying to persuade you away from the truth. You know, when they have these little children up here uh, and they're singing the beautiful words of the Orthodox Creed, you know, 
does in your heart say, Lord, Lord, thank you for their confession of faith. And Lord, help us to help us to guide them so that they're aware of their spiritual danger. And, and there are um, serious enemies who want to divert them from every phrase of that song to, to train them and to teach them that these things are not true. And so we as parents need to need to provide you know, love and support and encouragement and help them to be watchful uh, along the way. Watch out, watch out, watch and pray. Understand, Jesus wants his disciples to get it. Get the spiritual intensity of the situation in which we live. And that's what Paul says. Be watchful. Secondly, uh, look at Colossians 4.2. Just three passages that support this idea. It's the same word uh, to be watchful, Gregorio. Colossians chapter 4. It's right after Galatians, right after Philippians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Here, he's again about, it's about prayer. You know, the, the first finger of success starts with watchfulness and prayer and awareness of the danger uh, in which we find ourselves and also awareness of what looking for what's good. So he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Why would he say that? Well, here, here's the well-known reality. The well-known reality. God doesn't always answer seems rarely he answers our prayers exactly the way we want it in a very fast manner. Sometimes he does, and that happens quite a bit. And we've seen answers to prayer, like I mentioned a little day with Hodges. Uh, his surgery went very well, and you know, lots of answers to prayer uh, along the way. But why would he have to say continue steadfastly in prayer? Steadfastly in prayer. It's because the, part of the enemy's scheme is to get you to give up. Jesus, uh, I think it's, turn that real quick, I think it's Luke 16. <coughs> if not, I'll be slightly better. Luke 16. No, nope, it's 18. Thank you. Luke 18. This is Jesus. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So there's something about prayer. But where we would be tempted to give up and not be watchful in prayer, not to continue. So Paul says here, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So part of watchfulness is be steadfast in prayer, watchful with thanksgiving. Always be thankful for what the Lord has given you. And honestly, there's at least one thing a believer can always be thankful for, and that is heaven, that is eternal life, that is forgiveness of sins, and no matter what happens. If, if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, and he, he might, uh, we hope he does. You know, at the very end uh, of this book, Paul says, even so come, he says, Maranatha, O Lord, come, in First Corinthians. But if he doesn't come back, the bad news is we're all going to die. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sounding very pessimistic today. <laughs> I'm 
giving you lots of bad news, but you knew this. We're all going to die, many of us will get sick and die. And that's horrible, and that's sad, and it's extremely uh, frustrating, and we wish we could pray our way out of that, and you know, how long will we live? You know, 250 years, you know. <laughs> how long do we expect to live? Um, but here's the beautiful thing is, with thanksgiving, being watchful for that, that is to say, no matter what happens, I am saved, I'm forgiven. Love has covered my sin. So be watchful. And then uh, one more uh, section, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. The apostles said this together, that we should look out, 1 Peter chapter 5, and verses 6 through 11. This is a great section, too. He says, um, the, the, the punchline in verse 8, okay? That's what we're really building up to, but I want to keep the context a little bit together. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, as is our word today. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I've got the big cat on the screen here. Now we're changing that metaphor to be the enemy. And the enemy is like a very big cat, crouching, looking to devour us. God actually used this image in his very first counseling ses uh, session with, with Cain, remember? He said, hey, Cain, Cain, watch out, sin is crouching at the door, and his desire is for you. It seems like a big cat there, too. Uh, again, why should we be watchful? We live in a dangerous environment. It's the devil will love to tempt you, love to destroy you, love to get you off track, love to make you do something stupid, like go for a pleasurable thing for seven minutes that can destroy your entire lineage and heritage in your walk with the Lord. That, that is evil. Am I right? That is evil, but it's strong, and it is there. So Paul says, watch, watch, watch. Now, let's look at one other Go in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, to kind of, again, the cat's not only looking for danger, he's probably more likely also looking for lunch. And we should be watchful for good doctrine and, and good teaching. 1 Peter 2, 2 says this, Likewise, like, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. This is what we should long for. God's good, pure word to help us to grow up into salvation. Now, this is God's means of growth. Be watchful. Okay, let's move to the second finger. It's, it's stand firm. Stand firm. And I, if you followed my teaching at all over the last a few years, and some of you have been able to do that, 
This is one of my favorite words in Paul. It's, it's stegna is the word, stand firm, stegna. And it is a plural, means you all together. And it's a present tense, meaning ongoing action. So together, stand firm in the faith, he says. Now, think about what he's contemplating there in verse 13, stand firm in the faith. So I, now I'm going to bring in Abe for us. Um, this is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Be sure you put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. And if you've read anything about Abe Lincoln, you know that he was a man who stood firm in very, very, very difficult times uh, and held his convictions. I think it's a good illustration of this principle. Stand firm, stand. It's six times in Paul. He uses it six times. He, he loves this command as well. Again, in a dangerous time, in a competitive spiritual environment, this is where we need to have firmness. We need to stand there and not run away. Be watchful and now stand firm there. I want to give you quickly these six references. Uh, first is ours, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And then Galatians 5, 1, it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm there. <coughs> Very early on, in the Christian church, people tried to get the Christian believers to start adding legalistic rules to their life and how they should live their life. And he says, stand firm in the freedom that we have in Christ. Philippians 1.27. This is one of my favorites. This is where I really got off on it several, oh, a couple of years ago, okay? And most of you weren't here at the time, but some of you will remember Philippians 1.27. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, and that's the same, stake it up. Again, plural. It's not saying you make a singular stand all alone, all by yourself. No, together. You know the truth. You stand together. And it's ongoing action, present, continue to do it. Not just a one-time deal. You stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side. Some of you remember pronouncing the Greek there, it's mia suke su athluntes. I just love that. Very pretty. Mia suke means literally one psychic, one soul. Mia suke, one soul. Sun athluntes. You hear the word athletic in there? It's, he's saying like a team, sun means together. Striving together, together on a team, Standing firm, striving together for the faith of the gospel. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's our challenge. And here's, so that's the third one. Here's the fourth one. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love along for... I'm sorry, can you refresh that? Uh, 
Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. He doesn't want people to be running away. This is the biggest problem he sees, people abandoning the faith. It's challenging to believe this. It's challenging to hold firm and to be consistent and to live this way. And he's saying, hang in there, hang in there together. You need each other for this. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And now 1 Thessalonians 3 8. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, I'm alive. I get so much joy out of seeing you stand firm in the Lord. I say, I'm living because you're standing firm in the Lord. And then 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. That's a super important one. Because he's saying, in the very first generation, what we stand firm on and hold together with, uh, the, the, the spoken and the written word of the apostles is set for us to hold firmly to. We don't have to hold on to traditions that were added in the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th and the 6th century. You might like those traditions, but I prefer just to go back to the apostolic traditions, the apostolic revelation of God. Uh, now, particularly, again, he says, our command is stand firm in the faith. And I want to look at one other passage. The little book of Jude, right before the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bible there, please. Uh, it's one chapter. Jude, the book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. And he says this here about standing firm in the faith. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, he says, I kind of wanted to write an upbeat, happy letter to you about how soon it is to be saved. He says, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That's a very beautiful Greek expression there. Once for all delivered. The, the faith has arrived. It was delivered to the saints. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. And he spoke his word and through his apostles, the faith has arrived. We don't need more revelation. God will give us more revelation when he desires in the deep future. But for now, it is the faith, once for all delivered, stand firm in it. They're not looking for a fresh encounter with God, some kind of new, this whole movement in the Christian faith. And it's really exciting for, for young people is to have a, a fresh encounter with God. And, you know, I believe in emotional involvement with, with God. And, you know, being thrilled and joyful uh, over the revelation of God that he's given us in the word of God. But unfortunately, many times they're looking for something outside that supersedes. And it, it, 
to a, a, a experience that I'm having right now. And Paul says, listen, I want you to stand firm in the faith. Jude says the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. Okay, that's finger two. You only have seven more fingers. Only oh. <laughs> three more. Act like men. Now this is a little uh, uncomfortable, right? A mixed audience and perhaps in our day of, of uh, femi feminism, etc. But let's just take it at the best um, meaning that it would have. He's, he's not saying appreciate it for men. I put up here a picture of, of the Minuteman statue at Concord, Massachusetts. I've been there a couple of times. If you get a chance, go there. This is where the famed shot her around the world uh, was fired. It was the first big engagement of the soon-to-be Revolutionary War. Uh, on this day of 49, um, people from the Massachusetts Bay Colony, my compatriots, uh, were killed. And about 75 of the British soldiers were killed on this day. And this, this phrase, act like men, if you look it up in the Bible, it, it is used very early on. It's actually used by the Philistines to try to encourage their own army because they're starting to get really freaked out uh, because the, the Jews are very strong and they're, they're going to go up against them in battle. And their commander comes, comes to them and says, act like a man. You know, what is he driving at? What is this driving at? You know, again, Paul says, I want you to be watchful, to be aware of the danger and looking for the good things. And, and then I want you to be ready to stand firm. Now, a man has courage. And the, the characteristics of endurance and, and hopefully maturity and wisdom, that's what this means, to act like men. Don't run away from the battle. If you like literature at all, Stephen Crane's book called uh, Red Badge Courage is interesting, actually, psychological study of what it's like to be in a, an actual battle during the Civil War. And the uh, main character at the very first engagement kind of loses his character, his, his mind, his concentration, and they're running away from the battle in fear. He's not acting like a man. He's acting like a child. Acting like a little boy. But once you have been watchful and you're standing firm, you've got to stay in there. And just to even make that even stronger, Paul goes on to the next one, is be strong. It's like, hey, there's a pattern here, right? All these things are sort of fitting together. Be watchful, uh, stand firm, act like a man. Now, now be strong. What this tells us is, it kind of goes back to that word, be steadfast in prayer. Because you know what? The battle is not a short thing. It's a long, long thing. <coughs> as long as we're alive on this earth, we will be facing the battle with evil in our own lives. It really takes strength to stand. I thought of this. I am so impressed with these guys on this pummel horse, you know? That takes an amazing amount of strength. You know, it's like miraculous. Have you ever seen these guys do this thing? It's just phenomenal of, you know, you, you have really put the training in when you're able to be that strong. And it really takes strength to stand firm. You've got to know your stuff. Uh, if you're going to stand firm in the doctrine of the Word of God, you have to be prepared. 
by studying the Word of God. Uh, you, you'll, you'll be prepared so much that you'll notice a counterfeit. You know, the old illustration of the way to discover a counterfeit dollar right, is to study the actual, real uh, dollar bill. Then you can see the counterfeit right away. And that's so true with doctrine. We don't have time to go and study all the counterfeits. We just study mainly the Word of God. Um, good teacher um, said, I heard him last week, he said, Let's, he, he, he's not against reading. He's a very well-educated man. He said, but don't read a thousand books one time. Read the book a thousand times. And that's the main course of our study, is to, to know the Word of God. Uh, Joshua 1 is very strong on this. It says, be of good courage. It will be stand firm. You're going into battle, Joshua. You stand firm and be of great courage. And then uh, also turn to Ephesians 6, verse 10. Galatians, Ephesians. I like to force you into turning your Bible. Because you're going to take it home. Or, or, you know, use your iPhone. That's fine. Whatever you do. But Ephesians 6.10. Here it says, finally. Here, here's Paul again toward the end of a book. Saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This strength doesn't come from us. But we serve the, I think they get said, the one-quarter mighty God. Song. Is it one quarter or one half of my Almighty. I know it's a stupid <laughs> distress, but everybody here say Almighty. Almighty. God is the Almighty God. He's the one who overcomes all of our enemies. And so Paul says, you put on his armor. You, you trust him completely. Be strong in the Lord. And do not face these battles on your own. You will be eaten by a very powerful cat. So, the final thing is all in love. This is interesting, isn't it? Uh, verse 14, he says, do this all in love, whatever you do. Uh, I think I, um, you almost feel like Paul's saying, no, I, I almost need to temper this. Is this sounding kind of fierce, perhaps? It could create sort of Hard and cold and analytic, uh, less than human environment, right? Uh, be watchful, stand firm, be like a man, uh, be strong. And then he says, and love. But I put it as the thumb, you know? It's, it's a fist, it's got to all work together. Uh, and the thumb is so important, it, it works with all of the fingers together. And so I chose, of course, uh, polar bears. <coughs> known to be loving bears that constantly hugging each other. Either that or they're fighting. I don't know what they're doing. But do all in love. Jesus commanded us. Right? So familiar. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We're to be involved with each other's lives. We have each other's best interest at heart. Get out of yourself but doing just stuff for you. John 15 says, These things I command you that you will love one another. How about uh, 
what we call the golden rule. And it's been forever that I have quoted this. Actually, I, I don't think I've ever quoted it. Shame on me. But here's Matthew 7, 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He says, do all with love. And it's a good preparation to think, Lord, would I want this to be done to me in this way? Uh, do to them as you would have them do to you. And that is the law and the prophets. In our men's breakfast, it's 6.30 on Tuesday morning. I highly recommend you all coming. It's a great time. Good food and Bible fellowship, too. We've been studying Philippians. And we're in chapter 2. And we've been thinking about this verse several times over. This is Philippians 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what love is. That means I genuinely care about you. And I'm, I'm, I'm watchful. I stand firm. I act like a man. And I'm strong for your good. And for the sake of the children here, the choir that sang to us. That's why we should obey these things. Let's pass this on to another generation. It wasn't that long ago that you and I were the little kids, you know, pounding each other's heads on the stage or whatever is going on. <laughs> you know, and, and we have an obligation, do we not, to pass it on to them in love and to love each other in this way. Don't look on your own interests. And then here is another great illustration. Ephesians 5, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 15, rather speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Love is the motivation. I, I'm doing this because I love, I love God, and I love His church. I love you, I love my child. I, I'm willing to do this difficult thing and come and talk to you. I'd rather not, it's easier not to, but I'm willing to do this, but it's also a means, it's, it's how we do this too, right? I do this for your good, for the good of the church. Uh, I do this out of love. I speak the truth in love. And that is the way we are to grow up. Love is a motive and it is a means to the end. So here's our hand, just finishing off. I think there's a progression. They all go together. It starts off with being aware of your environment. Be watchful. Be looking for danger. Be looking for a good place to eat. Uh, then to stand firm in the truth. Be, Willing to know the truth and not cave in. Uh, you and I, in our little short lifetimes, we've seen the reality of caving in. We've seen the reality of slippery slope. You give in on this, you say, well, a few of these verses in the Bible aren't necessarily true. You start saying that, that you've just shot your own foundation. The whole structure will crumble. Uh, you stand firm in the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And God in his wisdom entrusted this to us. 
to human beings, the saints. And we are to pass it on to a new generation. And act like men. Don't run away from the first flash of battle. Uh, learn from it. And then continue to be strong for the long term. But don't hurt it. It's all all in all. All in all. Let's pray. Dear Father, we're so thankful for your love for us. And that's the foundation of everything that I've talked about today. That you love us. That you gave Jesus Christ our Savior for us to die on the cross for our sins. And he died once for all. Just like the faith was delivered once for all to the saints. Jesus died once for all to deliver us and to save us completely from our sins. We're so thankful for this reality, the foundation of our faith. It's worth protecting, it's worth defending, it's worth dying for. Lord, help us to put these five fingers of success into practice this week, to be aware of being watchful. Lord, forgive us for acting like we're not in a competitive, dangerous environment. Help us to be watchful, Lord. Help us to stand firm in the faith. Give us wisdom to know how to, to discuss these things with people who disagree with us. And then, Lord, help us to act like men, be mature, have courage, and to not run away at the first sight of conflict. And then, Lord, just to be strong, to be in it for the long haul, put in the, the training enough so that, like the guy on the pommel horse, uh, we, can, we can pull off the whole procedure keeping the rules, doing it for your own. And then most of all, Lord, we do pray that you would teach us to love each other, to make it our motivation and our means. Through Christ we pray.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 